Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Yo, you still ain't getting women? Really? Come on, son. You need to go to badboymembership.com and step up your game. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Mr. Locario, the bad boy of the dating game. And I'm telling you that if you really want to attract beautiful women, you need to go to badboymembership.com. This is where you get 45 through 90 minute step-by-step dating advice tutorials every month. Just sign up, follow the advice, and you'll get the woman you want. Go to badboymembership.com. That's badboymembership.com. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Huday. Zim, say what's up. What's going on? Hello, world. How y'all doing today? And today we have a very special guest. If you guys have been in tune with the Bengals for a long time, this man needs no introduction. We have the great Jeff Blake. Jeff, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? Nice to, have, nice to be on. Nice to be talking to you guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So just to kick things off, Obviously, you broke down some barriers with you being the first black quarterback for not only the Bengals, also uh, the New Orleans Saints as well. Can you talk about what it was like for you at that time? Um, it was tough at times, you know, um, but I, I try to focus on on that stuff as much. I just try to focus on just playing and trying to get better, trying to win games every week, which is very hard. Um, you know, with the uh, – people that I had around me. I had some great receivers, had a decent tight end, never really had a steady running back. You know, I had a plethora of running backs to come through before Corey Dillon got there. From Garrison Hurst to Kajana Carter, Harold Green, you know, just a plethora of guys to come through and uh, Eric enemy you know, so I never really had a steady, you know, household name running back until Corey Dillon got there. But by that time, I was almost out the door. So, um, and when actually when Corey had his, his breakout year, I actually got benched for Boomer at that time. But I wound up getting my job back, you know, uh, later on in that season. So, uh, you know, it was funny because, you know, I get there in 94. I uh, 
do very well in 94. 95, I go to Pro Bowl. 96, I'm Pro Bowl alternate. 97, they're trying to get me out of there. Crazy. Right. <laughs> so they bring in, they bring in Boom in 97, bring in Neil, Neil O'Donnell in 98, and they draft Akili in 99. Right. So uh, I never could figure that out. You know, usually when you have a, a young quarterback that's up and coming like that, you don't bring veteran guys in there like that to compete with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And they did that every time to the point of where they just drafted the guy in the first round. So I, I know I appreciate my time there in Cincinnati, but um, I, I knew from day one that, that my time was gonna be wasn't gonna be too long. Then. I um, it's, it's crazy you talking about that because just off the air before you even came on, we were just talking about uh, I guess the Bengals moving forward, uh, Joe Burrow being the pick. And I was just talking about when – and the schedules just were, were released just a second ago, and I just had a conversation. I literally – like, when I do look at the schedule, I just look at the quarterbacks. And I was just saying uh, – at the matchups, I thought they were very favorable for the Bengals this upcoming year. But I was saying throughout time, if you just go back and look and you pick the, the quarterback that you believe in and you put the resources behind them, those are the teams that flourish the most – and I don't know why the NFL to this day don't really they, they don't really pay attention to that. I don't know if it's people's jobs on the line or anything like that. And it's, and well, it's, it's like pressure really, or something like that. You got to really understand the business side of the game. A lot of time it's not about players. It's about money. Right. You know, and so if I can get a player to do the same thing I do, but get them cheaper, I'm going to get him. You know, if I can get by with winning eight games a year, I'm going to get by one eight games a year and still make my money and still not have to go nowhere near the salary cap, you know? So you got a lot of teams that function that way. And then you got teams that function where they always over the salary cap and they got to c- cut jokes just to be under it, you know, because they, they out there trying to win right now and they rather pay the money now and, you know, and win now than to try to grow something to where it may take three or four years for that, that to pay off, you know. So you just gotta understand the business side of so, the game. So do you feel that around that time when you were at your peak in '95 or whatever? Do you feel like that, like the Bengals maybe weren't like a couple of players have said this? Do you feel like they weren't committed? And I can be honest with you, I wasn't at my peak until I left. I'm understanding the game for its planning, yeah. you know, understanding the game, the maturity of the game. That didn't happen until I got to New Orleans. That's why I played so good when I got there. Right, and that makes sense because Pat Mahomes just came out and we already saw him win the MVP in the Super Bowl, and he said that he just now learned how to start reading defenses. So that's, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't reach my peak until almost when I retired. I was 34 when I retired. I was just I was just getting in the groove. Because right. your mental was a, is a yeah. lot more sharper. Yeah, a lot at that more point. sharper. You know, and I'm getting ready to retire. That's why now you can play the 40, 42 years old. Right. Because the game, sure. slows, the game slows down so much for you, and, and they yeah. protect quarterbacks a lot more. It's probably a lot more. Oh yeah, I wish I was playing now. <laughs> they want they can't even hit quarterbacks now, so it's all good. Right, exactly. So talk to younger fans about shaking Blake and where that kind of came from. Well, it came from Judge. I think Judge passed away uh, a couple years back, but uh, uh, he came up with the term shaking Blake and his stuff. You know, and uh, they even had a song about it and all kinds of stuff, you know. And uh, 
But it was it was fun and cool while it lasted, you know. Um, I never really bought into the hype. I was trying to play. I was just trying to get better and try to play because I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. I know that every move I made it was going to be watched. Every game I played was going to be chopped up. Every, you know, everything I did, if I didn't do it to the best of my ability, if we didn't win games, I wasn't going to be there long because I wasn't a first-round draft pick. I wasn't drafted to the Bengals. I wasn't their guy. I was Bruce Osler's guy, you know. So when you're not an organization or a GM's guy, it's your life, bro. Okay. Even when you play well, DeAndre Hopkins, I still will get rid of you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Ain't that the truth? Um, just going back, I guess for the younger Bengals fans, because there's a lot of young Bengals. I think it was right. a comment that uh, before you even got here, somebody said, "Man, I had to look it up." And I, and to me. I just hit 30, right? So to me, when I was really, really young, and I guess I said like 95 because I just remember the Pro Bowl, and I remember being very, very mad. And I don't know if you remember in the Pro Bowl, you threw a touchdown to Yancey Thigpen, and it was 92 yards, right? But my mom and my dad, they were like, why are you so mad? I was like, because he threw it to the guy on the Steelers or whatever. (laughs) And and I was so pissed at that. I was like, but I didn't really understand, like, what I was watching. I was like, but the the Steelers scored or something like that. But can you you, um, just talk to people, I guess, about, like, your – just – Telling them about like maybe when you were in Seminole High School and how you how you got because your route to the Bengals or just to the NFL is a lot different than the average, you know, Pro Bowler. I guess that you know. Cause well, that- the thing is, when I came out of high school, East Carolina was the only Division One school to recruit me to play quarterback. Gotcha. Somebody did some really bad evaluation at that time. Right. You know? Um, so I go to East Carolina, play very well. I had a great coach. He developed me. He um, he didn't just develop me to be a quarterback for East Carolina. He developed me to be a quarterback in the NFL. And that's one of the questions I, I ask coaches that are recruiting the kids that I train. Are you training them just to come to your school or are you training them for the next level? Right. You have to do both. You can't just train them just to go to your college because – it's life after college for some of these kids. You got to train them for the next level. And if you're not willing to train them and develop them fully, the whole development, not just what you do at your school, but the whole development, then we'll think about coming to your school. Until then, you know, I tell the kids that I train, we're not going there, you know, because right. your goal, your main goal is to make it to the NFL. If you can stay three years in college and out, you be gone. Right. You know? And so, um, college is making enough money off of these kids, you know. So, so um, uh, you go in, you get developed. So, I I got developed in college. So when I came out of college, uh, I was a six round draft pick to the New York Jets. So when I got to New York, I had a coach in Bruce Cosley that decided that he was going to make a black quarterback from East Carolina an NFL football player no matter what. Right. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. He he was meeting with me and nobody else a lot when I got to New York. For three weeks, we sat in a classroom. We didn't learn that one offensive play. For three weeks, all we learned was defense. Nice. For three weeks. And I asked him, I said, well, you know, we're going to learn an offensive plays. He's like, yeah, we're going to learn an offensive plays, but if you can't read defense, you can't play for me. 
That's why I never had no problem reading defense. That's why I would chop defenses up in a heartbeat. Right. You know, I never had no problems, you know, um, uh, competing against good defenses because the first thing I learned how to do was read defenses, understand fronts, understand coverages, understand blitz packages, understand my protections, knowing when I was hot, knowing when I can change the protection, knowing when I need to get rid of the ball, knowing, you know, understanding the difference between man coverage and zone and knowing who I want to go through, go to versus man based on the type of package that I was running. If I was going to have a pick or, or some type of one-on-one uh, -on -one with Pickens or Darnay, seeing that and seeing that happen and making the throw. Right. So um, I had a coach at Bruce College that wanted to make me an NFL coach and wanted to develop me as an NFL player. And uh, I guess so I get to Cincinnati and uh, lo and behold, David Klingler and Don Hollis trying to learn the offense that I already been in for two years. <laughs> Steadily for two years. So when I get there, they've been in that offense for a couple of months. I'm like, I already know what to do. So, so when my opportunity came, that's also easy for me to just jump in and play. Right. It was a lot harder for them than it was for me, to be honest with you. Because I had been in that system for two years. All right. They only been in for a couple of months, a training camp and maybe a, a month into the season. Because I think um, I got there right at the beginning of the season. And I didn't get into like game seven or something like that. Mm -hmm. Game seven or game eight. And, um, Against the Cowboys, so um, so that's that's how that happened. That's how I got to Cincinnati. That's how I, I became uh, a draft pick. Um, coming from out of East Carolina, we went eleven to one, finished number nine in the nation. Everything I did, I broke thirty-two school records. You know, I, I was voted um, North Carolina Player of the Year. Actually, it was two guys. It was me and um, what's the what's the uh, basketball player that was at New Christian Layton. Christian Lane. <laughs> I out as a top top um, athlete in the state of North Carolina that year. You know, so um, I've always had a lot of accolades playing ball. I've always, but I've always worked hard, dedicated myself to sacrifice, um, did things that nobody else is willing to do. And in order for you to make it to the league, you got to be exceptional. You can't be you can't be an average cat for made to the league because the guys who made to the league they hunger, and, and especially at quarterback. At quarterback, we're different. We we don't we don't move like everybody else. We beat to a different drum. You know, um, you have to be clean cut. You have to speak well. You have to be vocal. You have to be a leader. You have to manage. You have to do a lot of those things that other positions don't have to do even off the football field as well. For sure. You know, I, I look at uh, Lamar Jackson. He's um, NFL MVP, no commercials. It's crazy. It's crazy. Right. You probably in these days. I I had this conversation with somebody the other day. They were they were bashing Cam Newton or something in the comments. I was like, just tell the truth. You don't like his hair. Well, you it's know, not that. It's not that. We you know what I'm saying, though. But I feel like that was a big reason it's, that they were kind of. It's not like we don't like his hair. It doesn't matter if we like it or not. It's, it's matter the people with the paper want to pay for that. Yeah. That's right. And if you want to get off the field endorsements like Baker Mayfield, like. Johnny Manziel even got a commercial. Right. You know? yeah. no, that's real. So, he still, so you have to live, you have to walk and look a certain way. You have great examples. Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, 
you know, ain't a lot of black quarterbacks in the league right now, but you know, that's stars. But those two are, and they're they are, you know, premier players in the league. You know, and Lamar won MVP, but he ain't getting no commercial because of his image. Right. He clean it up. You need to clean it up. You got to go clean cut. You got to wear a nice suit. You know, speak well. You know, you know when, when you have Breezes and the Bradys and the Mannings, you got all these guys who set the bar so high on yeah. the way you look and the way you present yourself. You got to follow the mold, man. Right. You can't because mm-hmm. those, those people with the endorsement money, they're not going to pay for that. Right. Just, just kind of, kind of going, kind of staying on the same topic. Tell people currently right now what you do for training athletes, and some of the things that you were just speaking on right now. Is that a big part of what you do? Like, oh. like just the image. Uh, oh yeah, we do. I do the whole gambit with the kids that I train. We talk about recruiting. We talk about uh, management, leadership. We talk about not only the, the, the basic quarterback mechanics, footwork, and all that stuff, but we do all the X's and O's, film work, breakdown, game film. We do all that stuff. You know, we uh, we um, we talk about fronts, coverages. You know, pre-snap reads, where to start with the ball based on the coverage and the formation of the play that you have. You know, all that kind of stuff. How to start eliminating guys before you even snap the ball based on the coverage you have. You know, understanding if you got man in the zone, where, where you want to go with the football. So, yeah, we do all that stuff. I work with all that stuff with my kids. And I definitely we talk about image. You know, I'm like, look, you got to be clean cut. You have to be, you have to walk a certain way, talk a certain way. If not, they're not going to take you serious. Not, especially being a black quarterback. They'll be like, hey, can you play receiver? Right. <laughs> they, they, they did ask Lamar that. You, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Somebody said your beard is fine. Somebody loves your beard oh, in the chat. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> just just I, randomly. I had, no I had no cut too much, so I just got one like two days ago. So we, nah, we, yeah, like, now we in a judge-free zone here, especially with the quarantine going on. Ain't nobody yeah, got yeah. no right to be talking about no hair or nothing right now. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm, I'm glad I got one, though. Yeah, he came by and lined me up real quick. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Jeff, you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated with Cordell Stewart, Steve McNair, Vinny Testaverde, and Mark Brunel. What was that experience like with you being on the cover? That was great. That's my only one I ever had. So I I, I, I cherish that. It was great. It was fun. We were all there. You know, I know all those guys very well. We were all there. We had a great time shooting that. You know, the only one that's not alive right now is Steve McNair. You know, and, um, bless his heart. You know, so, man, I... So he's a great guy. You know, big country, man. So, um, um, yeah, but we had a great time shoot, making that shoot. And uh, uh, a lot of the things that I was, you know, able to do back then. And uh, uh, when it comes to, to a quarterback challenge or being on Living Single or being on the Chris Rock show or, you know, being on Sports Illustrated, being in GQ Magazine or, you know, or uh, any type of other magazine that I was in back then and have opportunity to do, you know, uh, MTV rock video uh, shoots and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if you remember that kind of stuff, but oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I remember, I remember half them shows that you said. Um, yeah, I, I was looking up something the other day. You talking about entertainment? Tell me about this because I've never seen this. Andre the Butcher. Andre the Butcher. Okay, I don't know Andre the Butcher. Okay, nah, I, I was looking it up, and it has on your Wikipedia, and it has somewhere else that it said that you were in a movie called Andre the Butcher. Uh, no. They, they okay. might have cross-referenced no, it with I another template. I can tell you, yeah, it might have crossed another template, but I can tell you this, 
Um, the character from uh, uh, Jamie Foxx's character on Any Given Sunday was based off of me. Oh, oh, yeah. that's, oh, that's a great gem right there. Billy Beeman. <laughs> hey, it's some people in here that's probably like, if, you, if you're if too young and you don't know any given a Sunday, like, oh, that's going to kill me because then I'm yeah. going to feel like like whatever. But So, so um, when I was in Baltimore in 2002, they they nicknamed me Willie Beeman. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that was funny though. It was good. That's dope. No, that movie. I, I'm. That's the movie that I went to the theater for, and I don't yeah, go to the movies. But like, so movies. like that movie is dope. If you're a football fan and you're watching this, please go check that movie out. One of the main things that I wanted to like kind of get into for a young Hootay fan, or uh, is just like we're currently talking to the man who probably has arguably the best deep throwing football in NFL history, and we're talking to him right now. Is there anything that do you have like anything that you would say that maybe separated you throwing the deep ball versus everybody? Because I know at the time I just would watch games and I'd be like, I just expected to see just yeah. bombs just just because I just watched all of all of your games. So in my mind, I'm like, what, what, like they're gonna bomb it. But then like now, fast forward to now, it's a lot of dink and dunk type stuff. Like, what is the difference between the game back then and now, and then what it like? What separated your deep ball from everybody else? Well, my deep ball it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> he ain't trying to give us the formula. <laughs> well, it's 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 I actually it's really simple. What made it available? Like you know what I'm saying? Like why don't every team just go and get a shaking blade and just throw it deep? Um, not everybody capable of doing it, right? You know, and being accurate consistently. And the key to being consistently accurate with a deep ball, the problem with a lot of young dudes and a lot of cats that throw the deep ball today, they throw it too flat. So when you the lack of the lack of air on the ball means that the ball has to be a perfect throw. So if you watch my highlights, I put enough air on the ball. The reason I put a lot of air on the ball, one, it goes further, as you can see. Because <laughs> if I put the ball at a lower trajectory, it doesn't can't go as far. It only can go as far as is your arm can throw it. But if you add the air in the right trajectory to it, you can actually throw it a little bit further, 55, 60 yards. And that's what we were doing. We were basically out throwing the coverage. All right. So um, at that point, once the ball gets up in the air, now it'll allow, I'll allow my receiver to adjust in any type of way where he can catch it on the outside shoulder. He can slow it. He can slow down and put the guy on his hip and then accelerate. Or what Darnay would do, Darnay would just hit a second gear, just go get it. And he would create separation just because he was just that fast to go get it. Right. You know, um, Darnay was even capable of looking at the turning, looking at the ball, look up, and then turn and run, and then look up and find it again, you know, and get that, and get that um, acceleration. So, um, but when I teach my kids that I train how to throw the deep ball, it's very simple. Throwing a deep ball is a finesse throw. It's not a hard throw. It's like shooting a three-point shot. It's a touch throw. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't, you ain't drilling it. All right. I think a lot of people try to muscle that throw, and you can't muscle that throw because you can't control it once you muscle it. All right. You don't go anywhere. It's just like trying to muscle a golf ball, trying to hit a golf ball too hard. You, know, you can't control it. It's, you don't know where it's going to go, and it ain't going to go where you want to go. But when you have a nice smooth swing and you let that club head do the work, that ball just mm -hmm. takes the ball. Right? How, how far um, do you think you can actually throw it, Jeff? That was another question. 
Well, and the quarterback challenge, I think the furthest I threw was like 74 yards or something like that. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Jesus Christ. Good luck. I was just, I I don't know if you follow Deion Sanders, but I was just trying to son yesterday. Uh, I was on his IG, on his prime IG. I was was working with Shador yesterday. We was out throwing. I was still throwing like 55. Hey, we need to get Jeff in camp right now. <laughs> no, Dude, I don't want to get hit no more. <laughs> so, what are you training? What do you train your guys at? Well, I'm based out of Houston right now, and okay. I'm with the I'm with the um, guy by the name of Danny Arnold. He has a um, a training facility called Plex. We have a lot of um, NFL guys that train there, college guys that train there, and high school guys that train there. Majority football players too, as well. You know, we did, um, he does train some basketball and baseball players as well, but the majority of guys are football players. So, uh, uh, Damian Clown is guys always in there. Um, all the Matthews boys, um, Bruce Matthews sons, they all come through there. A lot of guys here in Houston, man. A lot of guys in Houston, you know. So uh, I just moved to Houston about a month ago. I lived in Austin for 19 years, Austin, Texas. Okay. About a month ago. And so I'm really trying to build my clientele here. And it won't take me long. Right. I, I, I just got 1,500 more followers a day after Dion posted it. Prime time. Prime time. That's a big cosign. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, you know what's so crazy on my Instagram? I have been posting you over the years. Like, I even pulled up an old clip I probably posted to you probably like two years ago. I just didn't even know that you were on Instagram when, when I posted it. I ain't take the time out to even look. Well, but I, I, have, I have been posting it all along. I have two Instagram. I have my Jeff Blake 11, which is more my training Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to build up. And then I have my kind of personal Instagram, like this JCBB 11. So, okay. So I have yeah, two. but uh, yeah, I didn't even. I didn't. Even, that was on me because all this time I have been posting it. I've been like, damn, once I saw it, I'm like, dang, I should have been trying to send people like letting them see this, you know what I'm saying? Like, see this greatness, like right now. Right. right. I was upset at myself. That's all good. That's all good. It's better late than never, baby. Man, we're gonna, yeah, look, we're gonna make it happen for you. And I'm gonna try to make sure that young who that gets educated on the, you know, like what's going on. Because to me, like, that's a big part of Bengals history. That's a huge part. part. And it wasn't that long ago, like for me, like at all. So well, one of my goals is to, um, cause you know, I do a lot of football stuff. You know, I train for Under Armour. I do all the Under Armour's camps. And, um, I do all um, Dion's camps and Ray Lewis's and Aries. I do all their premier camps. And, I, and I'm basically the official quarterback coach for Under Armour. So I've been training quarterbacks for the last 10 years. Um, I actually coached in uh, Under Armour All-Star Game as well. I coach in Under Armour Future 50. Uh, so the top 50 players, so I, I coach all their quarterbacks. So I've been doing that for a while. So I've been really immersed into high school development, high school players and college players. Uh, not so much pro guys, but um, my guys, some of my college guys will be the pros one day and then I'll start linking up with those guys. You know, a lot of the pro guys are pretty um, set in who they have trainers and all that stuff. You know, but if I get one come my way, I set them straight. Sure. Right. So you talked about working with some of the college guys. Obviously, the Bengals just picked up and drafted Joe Burrow. Uh, they moved away from Andy Dalton. Have you ever trained with any of those guys before? No, no. Uh, I haven't trained with any of those guys. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of um, unless they live in the area, I right. probably bump into them. But if they don't live in that. Austin, the Houston area, I probably won't bump into them. Gotcha. Do, do you watch college football, though? All the time. So I, what do you think about Joe Burrow? I'm a pro. So what you been, what you watching college football, what are your thoughts on Joe Burrow? 
I thought he played very well. I thought he managed the game well. He he threw great balls. Uh, he stood in there. He completely dominated. He he read the hot throws. He made the, the big plays when he scored. So, you know, I think he's a great player. But a quarterback can't do it by himself. I'm sorry. Sure. You can be a first round draft pick, and if you ain't got no, you ain't got nothing around you. It ain't gonna matter. Right? Yeah, it's not gonna we, matter. As we learn through time, <laughs> you ain't no sloppy team. They always got talent. Right. You know, they just needed the quarterback. They just never had a quarterback. I'll be That's honest true. with you. Yeah. I mean, when o- even when Odell and all them boys were there, they had talent. They, just, they didn't have no quarterback. This is the quarterback they were able to beat. Right, right. Hey, I, I, you hit on a great topic there because in your Pro Bowl season, your offensive line set a record for the fewest sacks, uh, and that was after they gave up a whole bunch when you kind of before you kind of first arrived there. Uh, some Beagles fans feel like the offensive line isn't up to par and isn't the best for Joe Burrow. And so how important is it? And I think you kind of touched on it a little bit. Is it for a young quarterback to have a good offensive line that he can depend on? You better have good pocket movement. Uh, good feet, good pocket movement. I didn't have a great line when I was this man, but I know how to make people miss and know how to make a miss and still be able to get the throw off without having to take off and run. So he's going to have to have good pocket movement. And he's going to have to help his line become better by being able to move in the pocket. If his line is not as up to par that uh, uh, people not people think that his line is not, then it's going to be up to him to help his line get better. You know, and he, and he sometimes he don't get hit while he's throwing it. He just got to stand in there and let it go. Right. <laughs> and you be ready to take that hit. Um, a lot of people, you talked about the talent level of LSU. Um, the wide receivers for the Cincinnati Bengals currently right now consist of Auden Tate, A.J. Green, John Ross, uh, Tyler Boyd, and who else am I missing? T. Higgins. And T. Higgins, who was just drafted from Clemson. That is a phenomenal wide receiver group. Do you feel like that Bengals maybe finally, like, because I know, like, when you play Darnay Scott and Carl Pickens were very, very good. Do you feel like the wide receivers will go hand-in-hand with Joe Burrow, or is there going to be other things that maybe could stunt, like, his early success? Because a lot of people are now saying – Early success. He, he's got the wide receivers. Uh, he improvises in the pocket. It's all based on your offensive coordinator and how he uses everybody. Because because uh, up to this point, they haven't used John Ross the right way since he's right. been there. You know, and AJ has been up and down because they refused to make him. I think the premier guy. You know, the last quarterback they had there. I mean, Andy. He would throw it to him, but. He wasn't, he wasn't like – Pickens was going to catch 100 balls every year regardless. He was catching A.J. Green need to be that guy that catches 100 balls every year. All right. I would put Ross on the outside. I will put Higgins on the outside and let Ross play let, – let Ross play slot. I would use Ross even sometime in the backfield as, as, a, as a running back position and let him come out of the backfield and catch and catch passes on linebackers. All yeah, day. all day, all yeah. day. They're just not using the guy right. You know, they're not putting in position where he just need to get the ball in his hand. I would use John Ross the same way Kansas City used Tariq Hill. Right, exactly. They're the same, they the same player, they you know. Are. And he's not, they now I use it on a deep over routes, some deep crossing routes, you know, stuff like that. That's why I tell him all the time. Them deep, them deep crosses are like killers, man. But 
John Ross's story, though, is just so like it, it kind of goes hand in hand. What you said earlier is like you get drafted by some uh, organization that might believe in you and then maybe somebody else doesn't or whatever. Like early on, he just really we had um, TJ Hushmanzada who trains with him. And he was just telling us a story about like, you know, like even if you go back to John Ross's first uh, time on the field. Uh, he gets an end around and he fumbles the ball and then they never played him again. Then the following year he gets injured and it, it's just all these different things that kind of stunning him. And then a guy you talked about, Andy Dahl, earlier, I never believed in him. I mean, even when they were on their run in 2015, I just never believed in it. When you talk about pocket awareness and you talk about being able not to get hit, that's one thing he never flourished at. And I, I would say that I think that's something that Joe Burrow is going to figure out a way to get to John Ross, even if the offensive coordinators don't call up what they should call up. I just well, think he's going to have more opportunities. they get him the key to the offense. Only if they get him the key to the offense. You know, he can't just go call his own plays, you know, and, he, and they won't do that for a while. You know, once they get him the key to the offense and allow him to be the player that he's supposed to be, and be like, look, hey, these are your plays. Get to the right play. Make it happen. And uh, a lot of times, you know, I would go into the huddle with two plays. And when I break the huddle, based on the coverage I get, I pick the one, uh, based on how many was in the box, I pick the best one. Mm-hmm. So, so having that option really helps. You know, having that option with that. So sometimes you come in with two pass plays, sometimes you come with a run in the pass play. And based on if it's, you know, one high, two high, five in the box, six in the box, six in the box, seven in the box, whether you run the ball or you throw it, you know. So if you if he has options like that, that would really help. Jeff, you talked about kind of not being able to be the guy and not have the front office all the way in on you. Uh, One of the biggest issues in Bengals history was that Carson Palmer kind of forced his way out. So he, in a sense, got the keys to the franchise and everything and kind of didn't take it, which I feel like you deserved that kind of treatment when you were there. From your vantage point, yeah, what did you – I wasn't the first-round draft pick for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's true. That's true. That's true. But, hey, neither was Tom Brady. Tom Brady wasn't a, a first-round pick for the for the New England Patriots. And in my opinion, I think that you were Tom Brady before Tom Brady in terms of everybody saying the sixth-round draft pick that comes in and is able to tear up the league. Uh, but – from your vantage point, like, how did you view that when Carson kind of was like, I'm out of here? Guys like me don't have that luxury. That's that. Yeah. Um, with the league, I guess, going into currently right now with COVID-19 and everything going on right now, do you feel like just from a quarterback standpoint coming into the and coming into this year right now from a preparation standpoint if you were quarterback in today in today's NFL right now how would you be preparing to get yourself ready for this upcoming season just training like I would normally do with my trainer uh, doing my footwork my, my reads watching tons of film getting with guys throwing routes even doing like half scale maybe even seven on seven type deal well, we out there, we just working, you know, we're doing it a couple of times a week. So once you get in, once the season, once the lights turn on, you're ready to go. You know, all, I, every NFL player is training right now. Don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah, yeah, for sure. Right now. They somewhere training. Now, they might not be doing group training, but they, you know, they probably get with the quarterback. And, you know, I know my nephew played with the Raiders, so I seen him throwing with, with Carr a couple of times. 
you know. Yeah. So I, I guess we we interviewed someone. Um, we interviewed a rookie um, coming into, and he was like, "Yeah, we're doing virtual OTAs and stuff like that." I guess right well, now, work, stuff like that, going over plays, film work, reads. You know, receivers will be going over their splits, their linemen, what motions they run, all that kind of stuff, making sure they got the right splits whenever. But the splits change based on what the ball on the, on the hash or the middle of the field, based on what play you got, you know. what So they're learning all that stuff, especially the rookie guys. For sure. So, Jeff, a few years ago, the Bengals had their 50th anniversary. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, you didn't make it. In my opinion, you definitely should have made that list because you made the Pro Bowl and – do you feel like the negative stigma from the 90s was like the reason that you didn't make it? Or what were your thoughts on that? I, I wasn't drafted by the Bengals, bro. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. You understand? I wasn't supposed to be there. Right. I, everything I got in Cincinnati, I took it. Right. You came from Philly, got drafted there, came I in, came, got came, it out the mud. I was, I was at the Jets. And I can't, right. everything I got in Cincinnati, I just took it. Right. They didn't give me anything. Right. I worked for it and I took it. And I, and they just they were waiting for the moment where they can take it back. Wow. Yeah. Um, I guess the one of the questions I was saying, just to kind of go back to it with the wide receiver cores, right? I just wanted to talk about like um how instrumental you think Carl Pickens and Darnay Scott were to your success. Is the, oh, is, is the point I was trying to very, say, I guess, with the wide receivers so, around you. Very, very instrumental in my success. Uh, the difference between me and David Klingler and why I was able to be so successful with those two versus uh, David Klingler, no chemistry, no camaraderie. Where when I got to Cincinnati, I'm going out. I'm hanging out with Darnay and Pick. We going out eating. We going to restaurants. We going to movies together. We going out yeah. to clubs together. We doing. We drinking together. We doing. We having a good time together. But David at home. <laughs> you know, David listen to country music. He don't listen to the same kind of music they listen to. We listen. Right. To. You know, he wearing cowboy hats and cowboy boots. You know, after practice, he get in this car and he go home. But after practice, we all going to the spot, going to have some food and have some drink. Yeah. So. We developed that chemistry. So it, that's why it happened so fast for us three. Because we developed that chemistry off the field as well as on the field. And you have to have that. When's the last time you spoke to Carl Pickens and Darnay? I Darnay, I seen I've seen Darnay spoke to Darnay at least a couple of times a year. I haven't talked to Pick in a while though. Wow. Yeah, I haven't talked um, to Pick in a while. Um, but, uh, but Darnay, I, I I talked to and see. I, I've seen Darnay. I saw Darnay about two years ago, and I talked to him on occasion. Okay. Um, somebody guy named Hit King says, "My boy Jeff Blake, this dude was a breath of fresh air when I was a kid. He gave him Palmer Palmer's roster. We would make the playoff uh, deep. Oh, I mean, geez. we would make a deep playoff run. Did you ever look at that two thousand? Do you remember the two thousand five Bengals team? I don't know how well you followed them, like after the fact. Well, I was, in, I was that was my last year in the league, and I was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think I remember that so well. So two thousand five is the year that they tore up Carson Palmer's leg, going you know in the playoffs. Um, right. And that's probably one of the best Bengals rosters. That in 2015, Bengals rosters like after any like anything that you've had, I guess. 
So I guess yeah, the guy, the kid that that wrote that just said how how deep do you think you would have made in a? But if you don't remember the team that way, but it, but it was stacked though. It had it had Ocho Cinco, it had Chris Henry, it had T.J. Hushmanzada, the offensive line. I mean, like it featured like a top five offensive like it, it was a good roster. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, one thing that I was telling uh, Ace before we got on the air is uh, I didn't even notice, but I have been following your son like all along on Twitter. Right. How was it uh in uh your son Emery? Um, how is it like just having your son like play uh sports? Cause I have a three-year-old son, Ace has got a little boy too, or whatever. Like, what was like what was that like uh you know getting your son to play and, and actually making it to the league? It was fun, you know. He wanted to do everything I did, so I, I took him with me, I trained with he trained with me and caught a lot of my balls for me, you know. So uh it was inevitable inevitable for him to um be the athlete he was and to make it to, to make it to at least make it to the league for a couple of years you know mm-hmm. i played at all my national championship you know so he had a good run he had a lot of fun playing football and uh he has a lot of great memories himself so, so yeah. jeff I, I really feel like you were low-key the the front runner of the new breed of quarterback that's kind of taken uh for granted in today's nfl how do you feel about kind of, you know, kind of spearheading that kind of a movement for the league? Um, I, um, it was a blessing. It was honestly an honor for me to be in that position. Um, and um, I like being in that position. You know, I see a lot of the um, guys like Vince Young and guys like that that's around and they call me uncle, OG, or old school, you know. I talk with Anthony Wright, man. Anthony Wright talk, Quincy Carter. Um, I still talk to Akili. I mean, I talked, I just on I was just on, on IG with Akili like last week, you know. So we we talk, you know, all the time. You know, I mean we you know when it's all said and done, man, we all in the same fraternity, man. Right. Like quarterbacks. We all in the same fraternity. We all look out for each other, you know, we are, a lot of us, you know, communicate with each other, you know, ever since we retired, you know, so we all in the second phase of our careers and our lives and we all like trying to look out for each other. I remember you saying earlier in this interview too, is that um, uh, Steve McNair, that was someone that I really, really, when I was a kid, I used to put up all it because he played for Alcorn State and everybody... I just been I've been always the guy that's just rooted for underdogs my whole life, I guess. But I remember when I was young, I used to cut out all of his pictures and uh, put all of it every week. I would cut out the newspaper clip and I put it on the wall. Is there anything that you could share with the people that maybe they just, uh, you know, didn't know anything about Steve McNair? Anything that you would tell someone? He was real country. (laughs) When I say country, real country. I mean, lived out in the country, drove tractors, had cows, and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Real country. Well, Tennessee was the perfect spot for him then. Perfect spot. <laughs> Man, he's Nashville. He listened to country music the whole time. He's he right at home. Yes, sir. Okay, well, for that right there, I think we got a good spot where we're just okay, like. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I want to say thank sure. you very much for coming on here, man. I appreciate the time. You've been so gracious with with, with your time tonight. Um, anything that you could tell a, a future NFL player, or maybe anything that you want to say to a, a Bengals fan right now that maybe is following Joe Burrow, hoping that he could throw a deep ball like Jeff. Just give him some time. Just give him some time. I actually had some people reach out to him and tell him to holler at me. 
just so I can just so I can give him the lowdown, not only just playing the playing in the pros, but the business side of it too, and how he needs to be in order to sustain his career. And, and it may not be with Cincinnati, it may be with somebody else. I don't know. But if you want to sustain in the NFL for 14 years, there's certain things that you're gonna have to do. Right. How you have to behave, how you have to act yourself, act, you know, you have to stay humble. You got to understand your fans feed you, and you can't never be bigger than, the, than your fans. You know, you, know, you take the opportunity to say hi, you take the opportunity to sign some autographs. I remember times the training camps, they had to come get me off the field. I've been out there so long signing autographs after practice, you know, and I did my best to try to accommodate my fans as much as I could. You know? For sure, you can't get everybody, but I tried my best to. Accommodate as many as I could. So even even tonight, because you accommodated two fans <laughs> of yours for a long time, like you know, like yeah, and, we're, and we're totally we're he's in Orlando, uh, I'm 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 in DC, so you know, like you never know, like who's right, watching right. it, you know. So right. that's one of the things that we talked about, like man, what if we could get Jeff Blake on here one day? So you never know, like yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't get it twisted, Jeff. You got a lot of fans, believe it or not, even if the organization didn't do you right, you got a lot of fans that were in your corner, bro, for sure. I appreciate it. For sure. To this day, in my DMs. (laughs) For sure. But thank you very much, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to work on that Joe Burrow connect for you right now because I got somebody that said they've been talking to us. So I'm going to work on that for you on on, on the backside on my end, too. I'm going to see what I can do. You do that. You do that, sir. All right, man. You have a a good one, man. All right. You too. Thank you guys for listening to the Orange is the New Black podcast. We just had the man, the legend, Jeff Blake on, a guy that really spearheaded, uh, you know, being a black quarterback for the Bengals. It was a successful guy, went to the Pro Bowl in 95, was known for the shaking Blake, the prettiest deep ball you've ever seen uh, in your life. Well, the prettiest deep ball I've ever seen in my life. But, man, that nah. was just, that was surreal. Yeah, now nah, he's dope. Um, He – he gave it to you real too. And I think a lot of people um might take a lot of his comments like maybe a little bit to heart, maybe, but for the most part, I think you you gotta understand when he came up and he was lit, like how he was, it just wasn't a lane. Right. So, you know, like he's speaking from somebody that pretty much paved the way for a lot of guys that you know that we're watching right now that are like really, like really, really prospering in the league. He's speaking from that, and um, at the same time, I think, you know, you got to understand that wasn't even that long ago. Like, we ain't talking about the 70s or the 60s or something like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, me and Ace know, you know, like, we grew up watching them. So, like, if you're, like, real, real young, you're probably like, man, Jeff Blake, like, I mean, nah, this wasn't even that long ago. So, that, so he's, crazy, speaking on, he's, he's speaking on Mahomes, Watson, kids, guys like that. That when I was young, they weren't given a chance in the NFL. Right. And Jeff Blake definitely wasn't given a chance, but he and just he made should have been. It's such a shame. Like when I was doing like my research uh, before we came on, I'm just looking at the entire situation, and I'm like, the Bengals really fumbled the bag with him. Like they had the quarterback that they needed. And they just weren't willing to commit to him because, like he said, he wasn't their guy. When Bruce Coslett was out of there, it basically was like, we're moving on from Jeff Blake. But when you had a guy like that, 
they should have built around him. And when they pivoted away from him and went with Achilles Smith and all of these guys and just made these mistakes, it really kind of made me frustrated because it's like, why were we trying out Gus Farad when we had Jeff Blake? Like we had a quarterback that went to the Pro Bowl. Like, think about that. John Kittner never went to a Pro Bowl. Like Carson Palmer was probably the next quarterback to go to a Pro Bowl since Jeff Blake. And they took this guy for granted. And the crazy thing was they were passing so much. It was almost like he was playing in this era back in 95. And they just didn't concentrate on getting the team around him. And it's really just a tragedy that that happened like that. Because if you put Jeff Blake on the Bengals in, in 2010 or the early 2000s, like in a different time, he's tearing this league up. In my opinion, like you we, give we him talk A.J. About Green all and all of these guys. And I think he made a valid point about A.J. Green too, right? Because I got what he was saying because whenever I would make this debate back in the day about A.J. Green and Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, I would always point out that he doesn't see anywhere near the same amount of targets as those guys. And like he said, mm -hmm. he, he hit that nail on the head because it's but like, I, but I But I think that's part of like the I, – I think that's part of number 14. Like people will never – we'll never know the answer to that. But the smart quarterbacks, the right. smart players like in NBA, any sport you could think of, when it's crunch time, the thing that I would hate the most – is that the, the like uh, people complained about? I, I'll give you the best example when we played the Steelers, and then we they, remember they ran that pick play on Tony McRae and um and uh something uh and, and William Jackson, I believe. And Antonio Brown scores a touchdown and they win the game. It was like 2018, Steelers win again, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody was so gung ho on complaining about um oh the the actual play call man that's offensive passing i've said i don't care if it's offensive coordinators just look at the game every time that there's a crunch moment the best player gets the ball they run a play for him i don't care if it's illegal i don't care if somebody's holding that person get it how many times have you been sitting at home and you just like throw the ball to aj but at the end of the game you might see like eight or nine targets you'd be like Hmm, AJ did get enough targets, but when it was crunch time, when it was time to go, number 14 got baited in so many times at looking at coverages saying like, oh, well, well, I'm told that if I got a, a safety shadowing over on this side, then I need to go to my first progression and look over this way. But the great players that play in this league just go to their guy. And the, and the, and the good ones, they just make a play. And AJ Green but is like, always there to make that play. But think about that. A.J. Green has never had a season with the Bengals where he's had over 100 receptions. Like, that's crazy. crazy. That's, that's crazy. crazy. That's like, crazy. That is, that is insane. Like, and we're talking about guys that get peppered with targets. It's, it's just crazy. Now, one is obviously the schedule came out. There are some people that want to talk about the schedule. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to say thank you guys for supporting uh, me and Zim, be sure to follow him on Instagram at Zim underscore who follow me uh, on New Stripe City. You're already here for those who are listening live. If you're listening through the podcast, you can find me on YouTube um, under the moniker New Stripe City. Follow Zim on Twitter at Zim who follow me on Twitter at New Stripe City. This is the Orange is the New Black podcast, and we are a part of the Cincy Jungle podcast syndicate. If you are interested in any sponsorships or anything like that, we are open to it. We just added a new one. Shout out to the Bad Boys Club, our official sponsor of this podcast. But Zoom, we got to talk about the schedule, bro. 
we gotta we gotta get them that before we get out of here. So I'm gonna go through the schedule just real quick. I'm gonna go ahead and put it up on the screen here so you guys can hit see King what's spitting. going on. Hit, hit King spitting right there, bro. You got like you got pin that. That's that's I should have I should have asked Jeff that when he was there about Dylan. But let's go to the schedule. So the schedule, the first home opener that the Bengals have had in a while comes against the Los Angeles Chargers. That will likely be, in my opinion, Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert. So that's gonna that's gonna start a little bit of a rivalry right there. It's guaranteed. There's no is Tua coming back or any of that. We're gonna see week one that exclusive matchup. Second week, we're at Cleveland. Who, who, who wins? Who wins? Who the wins? Who know. Chargers? Who wins? Okay, for yeah. me, the LA Chargers. The best game, two uniforms in I like think, my, my, my wife would look at this and say the best two uniforms in football. She would say <laughs> the Chargers because they got better uniforms. Who right. do you got, Ace? I got the Bengals. If, if we're talking about straight up football, like I got the Bengals in this game because you got two rookie quarterbacks going against each other. You've got good teams surrounding them. However, That's I think with Herbert. the Bengals, <laughs> what the Bengals did. Uh, I think this offseason, I think they're going to be too much for Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers, in my opinion. Week two, we're at Cleveland. Thursday night football, first primetime game. The Bengals get two primetime games this season at Cleveland. Zim, we're going to alternate on this. Who do you have for week two? At Cleveland? In Cleveland. Y'all going to hate me. (laughs) I'm going to go with... I'm gonna go with Cleveland on this one just to play devil's advocate to not sound like a homer, but more it's it's more so I just believe that we're gonna split with Cleveland. So later on in the schedule, I would have said, you know. But I'm gonna tell you this: Cleveland has a lot of these teams. It's hard for me to, as we're just looking at this um thing a little bit for uh for it. A lot of these teams, I don't really know all the moves that they made in the offseason, and I do want to see the rosters, but I have seen the Cleveland Browns roster and it is stacked. It is one of the best rosters in the NFL. Coaching-wise, not so much. You got OBJ, very, very um, hype and ready for the season. I'm sure Baker is too, but I'm going to get this one to Cleveland just because later on I would have had Bengals winning that. So I I, I think they're going to split. Right. So week three, we go to Philly. That's Mm going to be a tough environment to play in. Like for me, it's it's really more so about with with this kind of aspect of it. I'm not sure if Joe Burrow can go into an environment, a hostile environment in his rookie season like Philly and come out with a W. So this one, I'm going back and forth on this one because like Philadelphia really had to concentrate on the wide receiver position. And I feel like you have to have that position in football. Joe Burrow has that. But again, I just think this is the same people who basically booed Santa Claus on Christmas. So I'm going (laughs) to go with, I'm going to go with the loss there. So that brings us to one and two heading into Jacksonville, where that is going to be week four in PBS. We're returning back to PBS. Zim, who do you have in that game? Two and two, because the Bengals win that one because the Jaguars are trying to do a 2019 Dolphins replica version of that that team right now, where they're in full tank mode in the offseason. They're still they still got Leonard Fournette like on the open market currently as we speak. So I'm gonna give the Bengals that one. Garner Minch, you can't do nothing with Joe Burrow. Y'all gonna see? I just go quarterback. So Mr. Defensive uh, Wins Championships, if you're in here, let me tell you about this thing called a quarterback. We just interviewed Jeff Blake. God damn it! (laughs) All I think is, all I do is wake up and think quarterback. If my quarterback's better than you, I'm winning. Period. Here we go. Two and two. Facts. So two and two. We're heading into Week Five at Baltimore. I'm gonna say. 
I'm going to say that this is going to be another tough one with him being in MNT Stadium. I think that they're going to be pretty hyped. This is going to be an important game. I'm going to give this one to Baltimore because we're on the road at Baltimore. So that brings us to two and three. Then we're at the Colts the following week. Zim, who you got there? Uh, I, I got us winning that one as well, too. I don't have too many thoughts on it because I don't know the Colts roster like that. I remember I saw their draft and I did I they added Phillip Rivers, but Phillip Rivers was a bum last year. Like, I think Phillip Rivers is going to look like the last year, 2015, Peyton Manning. Like, when Peyton Manning it was just like a shell of himself and his mm -hmm. name, I think that's really what Phillip Rivers is going to be next Banking year. on a quarterback to win this late in their career, like, I mean, how old is Phillip Rivers? Like, 34, 35? He's got to be. He might be older than that. I'm he not, might be 36. I mean, it's, it's yeah, I, I, come on. I got Bengals winning that one. Bengals winning that one. So then we return and play the Browns week seven at Paul Brown Stadium. I got this as a win, people. Like, we blew the Browns out. A lot of people forget that. That was our second win of the season. We blew them out uh, without A.J. Green, without having all of these guys. I think if we get them at home, I think that we split with the Browns uh, with that With that being said right there. So that brings us, I believe, to four and three. And then we have to – Take on the Tennessee Titans after that zone in week eight. Four and four. I think the Tennessee Titans get their run game going crazy on us, and it just ram it down the throats of a young linebacker core with the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, the cohesion on the Titans, the overall, like, just beefiness of their defense <laughs> and their offense, uh, their fronts, I just, I just think that, that that's going to overpower a young team like the Bengals trying to build their co cohesion. So I think that's a Tennessee Titans win. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Tennessee, in my opinion, is one of the best teams that they play this season based off of their playoff run last year. So week nine, we got a bye. And then week 10, we're going to need that. They're going to need that bye. That's a perfect bye because you're going to come out of there a little sore. Yep. Coming out of there. And then we head to Schittsburg on week 10. Um, so for me, I think it would be a tall order to ask Joe Burrow to go into Heinz Field and come out with a win. So I'm actually going to say that we're going to lose that game coming off of the bye. Then the next week, we travel to the Washington Redskins in week 11. Zim. Who do you, you have know in that me game? and Joe Burrow not going to go for none of you OSU. All y'all people that was talking all that trash. Joe Burrow couldn't be y'all Haskins. Joe Burrow, he, he, he's no Tiger King. He can't be. He can't be Joe. He can't be Haskins out. And we're gonna feed him to the Tigers. No, this is the one where Joe Burrow stomps Haskins into the ground and he shows you that he just had an arm injury. You idiot. And Joe Burrow should have been starting at OSU all the time. And y'all lost out on it. And you could have had a national championship OSU. And we're going to crush the Redskins by 20. Let's go. Book it. Yes, sir. So a win against the Redskins. I think that that continues in week 12 when the Giants come to PBS. Then Danny Dimes, I don't think he has anything on the Burrow babies and Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow go ahead, goes ahead there and takes that W. So after w. that. We're going to Miami. They're coming back down here to Florida. Hopefully, I'll be at that game if Corona is cleared up by then. Uh, but this could be a rematch of what we saw in college, Zim, with Tua versus Burrow. Who you got? That's a good matchup because by that time of the season, Tua's going to be playing. I like it a lot, but I got to go Joe Burrow again on that one, bro. I just don't I, – I, I, I will tell you this. 
one thing that we learned last year is uh what's the coaches for the what's the coach for the Dolphins? Uh God, what is his name? Somebody in the chat is gonna tell me. But the one Brian thing that they Flores. did Brian Flores, Flores, one thing that they did was play very, very hard for him. Um the game that we had, which is the craziest game of all time. I went back and watched that the other game the other day. That is so crazy. If we weren't in tank mode, I think we might like actually like. You know, like imagine us being in like playoff like mode, you know, and then you have a game like that with a comeback like that. That might have gone in the Bengals Hall of Fame. But because we were like in tank mode or whatever, that's just a story we're going to tell our kids on how we got Joe Burrow. But going back to the subject, I'm sorry. I'm so off topic. I just I like I like the Bengals in that one, too. I'm sorry. Like the Dolphins, I just think. We just added a lot, and they couldn't do nothing with you know like the little bit that we had last year. I, right. I just still, I still favor us. No, I'm with you on that. So then after that week 14, I think this is where the streak of three wins hits a halt. We take on the Dallas Cowboys at PBS. I just think at this point it would be really interesting if I think at this point I think Dak Prescott is clearly entrenched as a starter. Even if there's a holdout or anything, I think that he's the starter. Now, if there's an injury and this is Andy Dalton, I think that it could go either way. It would make it very intriguing. I think that this could be flexed if that is the case. But based off of what we've seen, I've seen them draft CeeDee Lamb. They were already a pretty good uh, team. The last time we played them, the thing that stuck out to most when we played against them was that offensive line and how we just couldn't even touch them. Uh, so for me, I think that this Dallas Cowboys game is an L. And then the following week, this is this is a tough one because this is our second primetime game, Monday Night Football. The Squealers are Squealers. coming to PBS. Is and Joe Burrow gonna get his first win, Zim? Is he gonna is he gonna start off with the Andy Dalton Steelers treatment, or is he gonna go out and get a win? I think this is the game right here is the most important game. In the new age of the Burrow babies, like when we talk about like what changed the fortune, I think Joe Burrow goes into LSU mode. The the bright lights come on, and and I think that's the night that the NFL finally like gets on board and falls in love with us. At that time, right there, we're probably vying for a playoff run. Because what's our record right now? Uh, right now, one, two, three, four, five. Six. I'll, I'll I'll cue it up at the end. Um. So I, I got to think we're going heavy playoff run at this time. This is a big game, bright lights, Paul Brown, and that's the one. That's the Joe Burrow game. That's we're the eight Joe- and six at this point. Or no, okay. we're seven and six at this point. We're seven and six. This is the Joe Burrow game right here. This is the game that gets Joe Burrow like nationally. All year he's going to be doing his thing, whatever, da 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 da. But by the time he gets to that game right there, you never. This is the game that puts us on Monday Night Football for the rest of our lives. So we win that game. So Hold on, did you have did you have us did you have us losing to the Steelers earlier in the in the in this thing? Yeah, I had us losing. I had us losing. Oh so yeah, yeah, That's absolutely. Split. He learned he learned from the mistakes in the first game. So now we're eight and eight. At, I mean, I'm sorry, we're eight now and six. Eight, we're and, eight six and six, and six at, this at this point. Yeah, because we're a fringe playoff, but bro, he goes and and I'm talking about it's probably not even going to be close. He's going to whoop up on him on on Monday Night Football at Paul Brown Stadium. So then the following week, they have another tough matchup. They're going into Houston against Deshaun Watson. And for me, I think that Deshaun Watson is going to get the best of Joe Burrow just at this point, just where he's at in his career. I think, you know, Deshaun Watson. big Monday night game. Yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a, a a threat to deal with next season. So, and the Bengals historically have always struggled with the Texans for some reason. I don't understand why, but I'm gonna say that that is going to be an L. So eight and seven 
Zim, it's on you. We heading into week 17. But because we only got a couple minutes left on this show. If you're in this pod right now, screenshot me your record prediction. Write your record prediction in here right now. You got to send them as fast as you can. Screenshot your record prediction. And if you are right, by the time we get to the end of this season coming up, I will have a prize for you. I will own up to that. So write in your predictions in the comments right now. Tell your friends to come on Aces YouTube, New Stripe City. Give them the link. Tell them to comment on this post or comment on this page, whatever. No, comment on this post. Comment on this post, screenshot it, keep it on your phone. We know the date is May 7th, all that. Screenshot it, and then you show me that at the end of the season. And then also you have bragging rights. And be like, see, I told y'all. All right. We go into Baltimore. What's our record? We are eight and seven. Yeah, that's a that's a I mean, look, we that's nine and seven. That's the game that gets us in the playoffs. Easily, easily. And you never know, it. like by this point, the Ravens could have already, you know, tied or pretty much clinched everything. RG3 or something like that at that moment in time. I think the Bengals win. So we've got the Bengals going nine and seven. We have given you guys our analysis. We're not going to sugarcoat anything. We're just going to keep it real. Like I've heard people talk about Vegas only has us winning at the over or under is at five. I think you guys need to play some bets, man. Now, don't blame me if it doesn't happen. <laughs> no Burrow goes out and gets her. I can't, I can't be held accountable for that. But I know me, myself, I'm definitely looking at the over for that. Uh, we never really talked about that on here, but I just think a five five games is disrespectful. If you guys have just been watching this review of this this actual schedule, five games is disrespectful. Super disrespectful, but 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 I get it. You know, like I try to put myself in, into some fake body as if I wasn't a Bengals fan, and just from the outside looking in, two and fourteen, you don't know what we went through. You don't know you had eight games that were within one score, but I, it plays in. If you're a gambling man, like Ace is saying, it plays into your hand. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I I will run I will run to the casino. I will I will place a bet on that too, because honestly, I really think. We just did that exercise and we came up with nine and seven. I have a record in my head that I think it'll be. It might be a little bit lower. Don't get mad at me, but it's still far above five wins. So, and and think about this too: seven teams get into the playoffs now, guys. So you're going to potentially have an eight and eighteen get into the playoffs. So that's, that's something to right. think about as well. I, I just think our division is really, really tough, and a lot of teams, including the Patriots, for sure, are. You have to have. Good coaching, cohesion, a quarterback, and you got to play in a bad division. That is like one of the things that that keep the the uh, that that keeps the Patriots in the playoffs every year. And in this year, I feel like we are in the best division. And on paper, we look like the worst team in the division, which so is we, not that. We about to get out of here, but Muscle Hamster, we got to have a conversation, bro, because I am not a Dalton lover at all. <laughs> oh, I am far from a dog. Ooh, he, where did he say that at? Uh, Muscle Hamster at 853 said that I'm no, a no. Dalton lover. I see him <laughs> talking about a stitched Joe Burrow jersey, but I didn't see the Dalton lover comment. Nah, I'm definitely not a Dalton lover, bro. Like, they called me the Dalton, Dalton hater. I got a YouTube video on here about Andy Dalton, and I'm interviewing a trash can, and I said that it was Andy Dalton, so... Do you know how many people unfollow me because, like, I don't even know how many followers I have now, but if I was a Dalton fan, I probably have at least two or 3,000 more. I'm pretty sure 
that a lot of people have followed unfollow me for my dog lovers are still around like i understand oh like, they're heavy they're heavy donate 14 y'all want to donate 14 to the dalton foundation today if you go yeah, if you like, go online right now you'll you'll see a lot of those guys out there they're i hear guys talking about we're gonna win four games like that's like how we just drafted Joe Burrow and just spent $160 million in free agency. Just say you don't like Joe Burrow. Just say that you're a Dalton lover. Like, cause that's that sounds ridiculous. You felt you, you say that a Bengals ridiculous. fan said that they're gonna be a Bengals fan. Like there's nobody even, that could look at that schedule and think that you're gonna be four and twelve. Like, that's what gotta, I'm saying. I'm like you gotta I'm think like, that we're gonna win six games just off the schedule. Majority of the team if you're a Bengals fan. The majority of the teams that we are playing drafted around us. You talk about the Miami Dolphins. You talk about the Washington Redskins. We're not playing the Chiefs or any of these guys out here. Like the, even the Patriots, I would love to play them this year, by the way. But it's not like you're getting a whole like AFC elite status teams coming in here on your schedule or NFC for that matter. This is a very winnable uh, I think schedule easily. So four games to me is just come on, bro. Like move on. He's not here anymore. You know, good luck to him. But at the end of the day, Dallas only gave him three million dollars. That's that's trash. <laughs> that's that's complete trash. I'm sorry. Uh, but thank well, you guys for Zim. Was there anything that you wanted to say before we get out of here? I'm a Burrow baby. Burrow <laughs> babies are here. Shout out here to, to Jeff stay. Blake. Shout out to Jeff Blake. If y'all aren't following him right now, please follow Jeff Blake because I just really feel like I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that you you're not a real Bengals fan if you don't follow him. But if you really, really are a Bengals fan, like you really need to go back and watch Jeff Blake. And he posts some clips on his page and stuff like that too. But he's very, very important to the culture. So like, just just my thoughts. I just think like I'm so thankful for him to come on here and talk with us. And I'm so glad he gave the information that he gave everybody. Some people might not like everything that he said, but it, it was all true. It was real. It was and raw, and it was real. Some of his stuff that uh, I thought on, um, you know, like Dalton and AJ Green, there, there's some debatable things. But, you know, while he was there, he was very lit, and he deserves to be – to get the accolades and get everything that the, the Bengals can offer him when they do unveil this ring of honor or anything like that. He is definitely an integral part of the Bengals history and a big part of why I'm a fan. So please just, if you get a chance, follow Jeff Blake on Instagram, follow him on Twitter, uh, go check out some stuff and go tell people like Jeff Blake is lit and we're lit too. I'm out. Who they? Who they? Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.